And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Featuring the Pope of Positivity, DC Matthews, and the Sage of the Sweet Science, Doc Manson. It's so beautiful. The music is just so... I would listen to that all afternoon whilst studying for, I don't know, a final in a subject I know nothing about, which would be many. I... I miss our other opening. <laughs> this is a one-time deal. I'll put the other opening back, but... but what, could you put the other opening in front of this opening so that people get double openings? <laughs> you would like me to put the actual opening and then this opening? Yes. Why? I just would hate to think that any new listeners might be besmirched by that opening and turn Isn't us this off episode after 50? the first 10- is this episode 49 or episode 50? You think I count? Uh, I, I'd have to check my logs here. Let me see. Uh, 49. This is episode 49. I should have saved it for next week, but I, I can't guarantee Bo Dallas will be on TV next week. It seems likely. I mean, he's got a squash match, DC Matthews, at DC Matthews NAI. So it seems like they're probably going to use him in that capacity for at least a little while. I don't know Doc Manson at Doc Manson because <clears throat> as a lot of people were very eager to tell me since people just love the fact that I love Doc Manson or Bo Dallas rather. I love Doc Manson too. Yeah, but, you do. Uh, they wanted to point out that this was probably because this Saturday he's wrestling Bin Wang. He's wrestling their first Chinese Signing in some sort of exhibition match. It might even be in China. So this was kind of to put him on TV. So that way when Bin Wang beats him, it looks better. I don't know if that's true or not, but I loved it. It was among my favorite parts of Raw, and we'll get into it because there weren't many favorite parts of Raw that I had, Osage of the Sweet Science. But, uh, But it was... It was delightful. I loved everything right. about it. I'm sure that you did, because when it comes to Bo Dallas, I mean, somebody has to like it. Yep. So and that it might as well is be you. DC Matthews. So how you doing there, my friend? How's life? How's I am the world? doing fantastic. You know why I'm doing fantastic? Why? DC Matthews, at DC Matthews NAM. Why is that, Doc Manson, at Doc Manson? Because... I have in front of me, not one, but two pumpkin spice confections. Tis the season once more! You told me you wanted to talk about Bo Dallas. You lied to me. You told me that you wanted to talk about something that I wouldn't care about. And I said, oh, that's good. I want to do the same thing. I wasn't talking about Bo Dallas. You I was talking talk about something about... that you wouldn't care about at all. 
You know, you could have started this show with that. Oh, man, it's a giant cup. What you got there, sir? Oh, it's actually not that big. It's a small. Um, this is from Cumberland Farms. I was stopping to fuel up my vehicle, and in the window I see 99 cents pumpkin spice cappuccino. So I thought I would um, try this one out, the first sort of pumpkin spice drink of the year. So it's, it smells uh, pumpkin-y. It's, it's got that, that pumpkin spice to it. It has a nice aroma. I haven't tasted it yet. I brought it all the way home, had dinner, and I've been saving it for this moment. Oh, okay. It's, a little, it's sweet. Um, hold on. Okay, yeah, um... This is less pumpkin spice. Hold on. That's good though. Um, this is more like this is more like liquid pumpkin pie in a cup. Okay. <laughs> Come on, pumpkin pie is delicious. I don't like it. Okay. Moving right along. No, no, I have no, hold here. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's let's stay on the cappuccino for a minute here. Um, first things first. How long has like what's the temperature? Is it hot or is it at this point is it just tepid? Um, it's beyond tepid, but it's not hot. It's 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 eminently drinkable at this point. Because I'm of the belief that heat can transmit flavor. So, do you think that because it's not the same temperature with which it was poured did you pour it did it, did it was it in like a carafe or something did they make it, it came, fresh for you well in all fairness uh i was busy pumping gas and, and mrs manson went and actually procured it for me um however i believe it came from a machine one of those ones where you press the button and it spews okay. forth in a pre-mixed sort of fashion and this was from cumberland farms proud sponsor of ddt wrestling indeed it is cumberland farms um yeah, I mean, so you're true. You're right about the heat thing. That definitely does help convey flavor. But honestly, if this was the sort of thing, it's in a styrofoam cup here. It's been pretty well insulated. Uh, if you got this out of the machine and it were any hotter than this, you would probably put it aside and say, "Oh, I have to wait until okay. it's not going to burn my tongue." So you would, I mean, <clears throat> you would say that it is an ideal drinking temperature. Yes, I mean maybe you could you could go a little hotter on it, maybe, maybe, but it, it's it's almost there. It's in the zone. Now, before we move on to the next thing, which I am actually more curious about than the cappuccino because I don't drink coffee either. Um, yeah, coffee. I just would like to point out for all the fans at home, there is a bookshelf directly behind Doc Manson's podcasting station, and on the middle shelf, there are still boxes of Twinkies from the, if you remember back over the summer, he periscoped the Twinkies, the Ecto Cooler Twinkies and the white chocolate. The boxes are there on display as if prized possessions in the Manson household. Yeah, um, there's no Twinkies in those boxes. It doesn't Although matter. I do have, it's a decorative I do have one, of, one of the white fudge um, marshmallow ones left. It's downstairs in the cabinet. But yes, they're, they're, um, they're centerpieces from that. I think they're conversation pieces and... You know, if anybody wants to come over, and it's, I think it's a conversation starter. Um, Hy- you know. Hypothetically, because now I'm just curious. Have you ever dunked a Twinkie? Dunked a Twinkie? No. That sounds delightful, though. Were you to take a white chocolate Twinkie and dunk it in a pumpkin spice cappuccino? No? 
It wouldn't work because they're encased in that white chocolate. You would want you would want the the Twinkie itself to absorb some. You of need the that spongy cake available uh, mm. to absorb some of the flavor. A- absolutely, yes. Okay, um, that wouldn't happen with the covering. So. But without the covering, you might consider it. Absolutely, I think that sounds delightful. A pumpkin Twinkie. I bet you those exist. I'd like to and point out. If they out, don't, get on it. I'd like to point out that it's like the second. It's the first full week of September. I've got to do this for like seven more weeks, if not eight. At least. Yeah, something like that. I got to make a rule that, like, you know, I will do pumpkin conversation in October. But honestly, get to the next thing because I am curious. What do you got there? Well, before I get to the next thing, I will just say for your benefit, we were at the store this past week. And in addition to the next item that we're going to talk about, we also picked up some fresh-baked apple fritters that were delightful. Now you're speaking my language. Now that is the season I would do apple stuff. Maybe I will take care of the apple front. <clears throat> I'll try. By it. all means. All right. So what do you got there? What's next? So you can hear the crinkle. I'm sure our listeners love that. Um, this is limited edition from Nabisco pumpkin spice cream artificially flavored Oreos. Pumpkin spice Oreos. Do you so think gonna... there's ever been Oreos that are not artificially flavored? No, I, I, I sincerely doubt it. But I think it's... Well, maybe it's not strange that they have to advertise it that way now. I guess there's all sorts of rules and regulations. Could you but. make any more noise? Um, I mean, yes. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Okay, so we're open now, and... Oh, okay, first thing. The, the, the cookie immediately popped off of the cream here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cream itself has a very greasy sort of consistency to it. There's no adhesion to the cookie. It's it, is very... a van- it is a vanilla cookie, for those who have not seen it. It is a vanilla, oh, yes, cookie, vanilla cookie with a traditional pumpkin orange interior. Indeed. Which looks um, like Easy Cheese, proud sponsor of the Weekly Wrestling News. I mean, that would be extra, extra, extra sharp Easy Cheese, if that's the case. But, um... Yeah, so it means a clean... It's a clean break, but DC, you can probably attest. You can see the orange has seeped into the orange, into the yellow cookie. Oh, there's, there's so, definitely an orange stain on that vanilla cookie. Yeah, there's there, there's definitely a, a more of an oily texture to this cream than you get in some of the Oreos. But it does, you know, it lifts clean, so if, if twisting the Oreo is your thing to expose uh, the cream, then I suppose this is it. Now, I'm going to put this one aside just for a moment. Um, I'll, I'll get another cookie out. See if this is the same. Uh, twist test. Yeah. Okay. Clean. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a clean. Not all Oreos twist clean. Depending on the consistency of the cream, sometimes they mm. chunk apart. I find I find the original ones are the hardest. You know, a double yeah. stuff one I can twist in pretty easily, but the original ones have such a thin layer of cream that it almost always comes off in pieces. Right. All right. So I'm gonna go in for a taste here. Here we go. Oh, this is whole cookie. He has whole put cookie. the cookie back together. There's that crunch. Uh, yeah, they're crunchy. They're good. Um, yeah, okay. Here's a hint of pumpkin spice there. Let's see. Another mouthful, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, these are... They're sweet. There's a little bit of spice to it. But, like, if you didn't tell me that there was supposed to be pumpkin flavor here... Like, I would get the spice, 
but I don't know that I'm really getting the pumpkin part. <clears throat> and how important to you, and I think we've obviously seen it based on your reactions here, and forgive me if we talked about this last year. I tried to block it all from my memory. How important is the actual spice flavor to you? And, you know, do you prefer a, pumpkin spice flavored things to pumpkin flavored things? I do. I prefer the spice. I like a nice spicy pumpkin pie, and that carries through. But, I mean, honestly, if I closed my eyes, and if you told me that this was a winter Oreo, like if this was like a like a gingerbread molasses Oreo, I would believe you. Um, it's It's got a sweetness, but it, that spice is there. It's delicious. I mean, they're, they're very edible, extremely so, but, but I'm not so sure that it quite scratches pumpkin spice for me. Um, hold on, though. The original cookie that I have, I still have here, and I have the cream exposed, so I'm gonna go in for the for the eight year old move. I'm just gonna the the cream gonna... scrape. The cream, oh yeah, the cream scrape the, with the, right patented, with the teeth. The patented teeth cra- cream scrape. Absolutely. Let's First see done by does. George Hackenschmidt in 1898. Mmm. Okay. Better. Mouthful of cream. No, switch it around a little bit. Stop it! I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. You know, it's not overly sweet by itself. Um, yeah, it's 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 more like a spice with a, with a hint of sweetness. But I mean, it's a good flavor for sure. But I don't know if I really call it pumpkin spice. I mean, I think it's a success. I give it a thumbs up. I think anybody should try it. But um, not the most pumpkin-y, spicy thing I think I've had in terms of you know pumpkin spice confections. Well, and of course, you have to dip it into the cappuccino to see if that oh to see if that the combination right. makes it better alright here we go one Oreo pumpkin spice cookie the Cumberland Farms pumpkin spice cappuccino now I'm gonna hold that I'm, I'm gonna get it in there I'm gonna give it a good three second dunk you don't want it to become you know one two Three, you don't want it to become falling apart, right? Feel free to follow along home, a children. Decent, a decent amount of sog to it. Let's see. Mmm. Mmm. Oh. Mmm. Oh, that is good. That is good, DC Matthews. That is... That is a tasty... That is a tasty combination. You're welcome. Mmm. Mm. Oh. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is... This has been delicious. This has been delicious. Mm. All right, so the the bar is the bar is set. The 2016 pumpkin taste escapades. You'll have to come up with a title for it. Pumpkin Fest 2016. I mean, I think this is all just part of Shocktober, because Shocktober actually is not just October to me. It's not the month. Shocktober is the season. It is it is the lead up to October. From the moment they put out the candy corn at the local Mega Mart. 100%. So join us on this Shocktober Odyssey as we taste the various incarnations of pumpkin spice confections. Now, if people have recommendations, now obviously they can't do their own local things because we're not going to take this show on the road yet. But if if they have, you know brand name things that they think you should try or we should try, where should they send that information? Uh, probably to ddtwrestling at gmail.com. ddtwrestling at gmail. 
Jot com. Jot. Jot or, down the or, email. I mean, they could just tweet it to us, too. I mean, that works. At Doc Manson, at DC Matthews, NAI. Um, <clears throat> I hope we don't get a, a negative backlash from this. I hope you don't get a negative backlash yeah. from this. I think three cookies and a cappuccino probably was not a wise choice for me. Um, but you know what? I'm willing to do it for you, neighborhood. All right. Well, I, I expect angry tweets tomorrow or whenever the backlash begins. And speaking of backlash, <laughs> uh, we are three days away from the first SmackDown pay-per-view of the brand extension era. It is called Backlash, oddly enough. Uh, and I just, just out of morbid curiosity... Would you tell us about what we're going to see this Sunday at Backlash, Doc Manson? Absolutely. We are going to see the SmackDown WWE Heavyweight Champion of the World, Dean Ambrose, go one-on-one with the face that runs the place, AJ Styles. And? And we are going to see the Intercontinental Champion... The Miz put his title on the line against the one, the only, the show-stealer, Dolph Ziggler. That's two. Then we are going to see the first ever crowning of the SmackDown Women's Champion in a six-way match starring... Starring or featuring, I suppose, Nikki Bella... Naomi, Natalia, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch. Uh, Don't forget this one. Mrs. Manson will not be pleased with oh, you. And then I say Alexa Bliss already? She no, likes Alexa Bliss. Oh, she Carmella. Didn't make, she didn't make an Alexa Bliss sign. Oh, Carmella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carmella. You got is, that, is that everybody? That's everybody. All right. And then we're going to see a tag team match. again. This is again Crown of the Championships. That's American... Alpha, if they can compete. They can't compete? No. They got pulled from that match? They're done. That was the whole point of the attack by the Usos. Is they, uh... American Alpha is not in this match. So we're gonna see the but Usos... But then they, they won the match. They did, but Chad Gable is injured and unable to compete. So we are going to see two tag team matches. First, the Usos... We'll take on the Hype Bros. And the winner of that match will go on to face Heath Slater and Rhino for the tag team titles. Huh. Yeah. Well, here's hoping Heath Slater does it. We'll get into that as we go into these matches in relative detail. I don't think we need to spend a whole show on it, but um, you're missing a match. Am I? Let's see. We got the champions. We got... um... Hmm. Hmm. Who else is on that show? Baron Corbin? Kalisto? No. Yeah, I'm sure there anything. will be I'm guessing we're I'm guessing we're getting Corbin versus Cruz, but that hasn't been announced yet. There's one more match that has been announced. Mm, okay, it is Work with me here. Uh, not a tag match. Nope. It's not a women's match. Nope, it's a singles match, one-on-one. John Cena's not around. Oh, got it. We are going to see 
the Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt, versus that guy that I don't really care about, Randy Orton. That's pretty much exactly it. All the way down to the emoting. Very nice. You got, you know, I give you credit because unless you were really paying attention to SmackDown and with the tag tournament, it's fair to say it's okay that you didn't. You got them all. Um, Now, my question to you to start off is, is that enough? There are six matches announced. I'm assuming this pay-per-view will be between two and a half and three hours. Most pay-per-views usually are. Is that enough to justify having a pay-per-view? Or, you know, how how do they make this quote-unquote worth the money? Or is that a problem they should be worrying about? I don't think it matters this time because they're crowning two brand new titles on this show. I, I think there's enough glitz to that um, to make the show stand on that strength alone. I do think they could maybe use another match or so, but mm-hmm. a half hour per match for some pretty big matches, um, you know, I think that's okay. I think they're going to run into problems next month if it's all they've got for me is six matches again. Um, well, I think, you know, the fact that they had to fill a six-pack challenge, which is being held under elimination rules, which means that match probably will go 20, 25 minutes. Ah, uh, yeah. And good for them. Um, and a tag team tournament. You know, I'm assuming, based on how things go, we could have two potential tag team feuds. We could have at least two potential women's feuds. I think the October pay-per-view, whatever it is, one of these brands is getting Hell in a Cell, because that's usually the October pay-per-view. Um, so I think they'll be fine in that sense. You know, I you make an excellent point about the crowning of the two champions, uh, with also the possibility, and dare I say perhaps probability, of another championship changing hands, depending on whether or not you think it's the Intercontinental of the World title. We can have that discussion. But, um, you know, it. I, I think they need to add something. And again, Corbin versus Cruz isn't going to set the world on fire, but it's depth. Um, I, I'm just not sure what else it could be because that, you know, Eric Rowan, I guess, doesn't have a match. Woo. The Vaude Villains, I, I could see them throwing in a battle royal for reasons. You know, Breezango doesn't have a match. The Vaude Villains don't have a match. They could throw something in there. Um, but, you know, I can't, I'm excited for the pay-per-view because I enjoy a lot of the talent. Um, but, you know, this is not necessarily something I am, you know, writing on my calendar and making sure I'm sitting at my television at 8 p.m. on oh, I am. Sunday night. I'm way more interested in this pay-per-view than anything they're building on Raw. Um. We can talk about that as well. Um, you know, I I think this is more a reflection in terms of just, you know, a combined pay-per-view for all of the faults of a dual brand pay-per-view. You take the best of both brands and put them on. And that's good. This is you take whatever you've got cooking and you put it on. Again, I'm excited for the women's match. I'm excited for the main event. Um, I am cautiously optimistic about Bray versus Orton, but, uh, you know, so let's get into some predictions and productions. And again, we don't have to take a huge amount of time here. Uh, let's start with the intercontinental title match, the Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. 
Um, what do you think? I have a question for each of these in addition to the predictions and productions. So where do you see this one headed? Do we get a new intercontinental champion there, Doc Manson? Um, I'm... I don't know. I don't know. I, I think maybe The Miz takes it. I I believe the same thing. I think, and my question to you is, and, you know, they actually talked about this on the SmackDown commentary during Miz's match with Apollo Crews. I, I'm really starting to believe that we're seeing the final matches in the career of Dolph Ziggler, at Why? least in terms of the WWE career. He wrestled Ambrose and lost. He wrestled Styles for a chance to get back into the main event and lost. Now he's moved down to the Intercontinental title rank, and I firmly believe he's going to lose again. And he was talking on the commentary with JBL about the idea that if he can't win, what is he doing there? And he might as well hang up the boots. And, you know, this is a guy who has a history of having interests outside the world of wrestling, um, you know, seems to you know, might be interested in spreading his wings a bit, would do very well on the independent scene in a Cody Rhodes-style way, even in a whatever-they're-calling-Ryback-these-days kind of way. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure whether or not it has any validity to it, but I would not be surprised if he was done within the next two or three months if they came to a mutual agreement and he headed off for greener pastures, so to speak. So... You know, because what do you do with Dolph Ziggler if he loses again? Um, you start building up a storyline where all he does is lose, 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 lose. He goes on an underdog losing streak story where eventually he beats somebody. I, I don't know. Does he turn heel in his anger? You know, I would be interested. I'm, I am done with. Maybe? I am done with babyface hard luck. Give it my all. Dolph Ziggler. That character is old now, and I'm, I'm tired of it. If he were to turn heel in any sense, I would be more interested in the same way I am mildly more interested in the Usos now that they are heels. I mean, um, I agree, but I don't see a lot of space for a heel Dolph Ziggler on the SmackDown roster. There are There seems to be a preponderance of heels on the SmackDown roster, so I yeah, suppose I mean, you are right. All right, so we, we both tend to think this is uh, the Miz's. Did you see the segment where, you know, Miz had Maurice go get the title and Ziggler was calling him? I did. You know, this is not the same Miz that was cutting the Talking Smack promo on Daniel Bryan, but I think considering it's Dolph Ziggler and not Daniel Bryan, that makes sense. There's obviously something. We were talking about the meta narratives being the new kayfabe. That's one of your tried and true opinions and yep he's not gonna react the same way to Dolph Ziggler as he did to Daniel Bryan it's those two obviously had the chemistry there um that was required uh let's see moving up all right I'll just go up my my list here Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton the legend killer versus you mentioned it yourself the eater of worlds I have to believe, and again, this is the that's kind of the famous last words when it comes to Bray Wyatt, but I have to believe he's going to win. I have to believe Randy Orton will win. Okay, why? Because Randy Orton lost against Brock Lesnar. 
and Bray Wyatt always loses. So if they're looking to build up Randy Orton, who is apparently a face, potentially to face a new heel WWE Heavyweight Champion, uh, you put him over Bray Wyatt, the gatekeeper of the main event. So you're seeing a world in which our next main event feud on the SmackDown roster is Orton versus Styles. It is about one possibility, okay. oh, DC Matthews. Well, it, you're right in, this, in that sense. I'm hoping, you know, I I feel like there was a golden opportunity missed. You know, Bray Wyatt turned pseudo-face for about three and a half seconds before he got injured, and that's nobody's fault, but... You know, you can't, you can't fault WWE creative for the fact that Bray Wyatt seems to get injured at the worst possible times. Um, Every time. But I, you know, I I have more interest in Bray versus AJ than Orton versus AJ, but I think Agreed. You're, you're probably right in the sense that it's more likely to be that way. Again, it's just, you know, the same thing that you, we said with Dolph Ziggler. What does Bray? What does Bray Wyatt do? He has literally, I think, at this point, <clears throat> run out of people to lose to, except for AJ Styles. You know, he's lost to Cena. <laughs> he's lost to Ambrose. He's lost to. I'm. I have to believe he's feuded with Ziggler and lost at some point. Maybe that's where we're heading. You know, Bray Wyatt versus The Miz is interesting to me, but at the same time, but that, can't you just can't you already hear the promos? From Bray Wyatt to Dolph Ziggler, I I'm not opposed can't, to can't, it. Can't you already hear it? You can't even you can't even get yourself together. To, you can't even get yourself together, Dolph Ziggler. You can't even look at you. All you do is lose, and the eater of worlds is gonna devour you whole. I, I get it already. The nonsense writes itself, doesn't it? Like you can already hear him trying to save Dolph Ziggler or something, right? Like, like when did Bray Wyatt join the cast of Scooby Doo? That's what Are I you ready. Like. <laughs> That's pretty good, Scooby Doo. Thank you. You're welcome. There's many sides to Doc Manson. Uh, let's just pause here. And again, I did this last week with Doc Talk, but the weekly wrestling news, sir. What an yeah. excellent, excellent 10 minutes. And I only I say that not just because I'm just going to say it right now. All of your sponsors came from me. That's yes, all I'm they did. Say. Those were all. I hadn't even considered the idea of sponsors until I spoke with you about my plans for that show. But that, um, so it is, credit it is to. an excellent idea. And, well, and credit to Doc Manson for coming up with the idea in in general and initially. It it is beautiful. It is short. It is succinct. It is funny. I my throat hurt after listening to the <laughs> Triple H interview. I just listening to his gravelly voice made made my throat ache a little bit. So I hope we hear. I hope we see more of those. Well, like all good things, I have no doubt that it'll become bloated over long and you know around all too often. So. You're so, you're only saying that because I sent you way too many ideas. You sure? I mean, honestly, at this point, I was very proud, uh, ladies and gentlemen, of writing and producing my own podcast. I had a script. 
I, I, I had actual, you know, I mean, it's not great, but for it's a start for production values, you know, inserting music here and there throughout the show. Uh, I was rather proud of that. And now um, moving into, you know, the preparation of episode two here, and I don't even have to write anything because DC Matthews here has sent me pure gold for at least 90% of the content of that show. I'm not even kidding. Like, this man is a joke smith. Like, I don't... I consider myself unfunny in comparison. Um, which, maybe you all agree with that, because... I don't no, know. I think people find- online are not sharing this show. All I can tell you is get the link to Weekly Wrestling News Episode 1 and tweet that thing out to all of your friends. Por favor. Let's get this thing out there. I agree. And I, you know, I think you are you. We spent the first 15 minutes. I think you are more a situational funny. Give you a pack of Oreos and a microphone. A- oh, wait, hold on. One more sip. The co- you know the comedy right. flows. You yeah, know. I'm not much of a writer. But in terms of the, so of in course terms I of try the, to create a project where I have to do nothing but write myself mm, jokes. The well, thing I'm not so good at, right? And I'd like to point out because I I'm never going to reveal whether or not I was the author of some of the jokes, but I don't have to voice them, so I can be a little different than the DC Matthews you all know and love and, you know, kind of cross the line a little bit because I know just like Larry David didn't really find his voice until he began writing for Jerry Seinfeld and Jerry's voice to Larry's words was the, you know, I think that's it. You, you know, if I'm writing and you're saying them, it's magic. All right. Let's see how, let's see how it works. I'm looking forward to putting together the next episode, hopefully not too long uh, from now. Well, I, you need if it's a weekend review show, you need the week to happen. Uh, well, I, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, the weekly wrestling news. I, I partly named it that because I had this idea that I would never ever actually release it on a weekly basis, and I thought that was extremely funny. So the weekly <laughs> wrestling news that comes out twice a month, if not something less. like that, right? Well, um, you could do that. I mean, I think I'm actually going to try to have a more regular schedule, especially since you seem all fired up about it as well. Um, so we'll I, see how it goes. But just we always have say, that joke to fall back I on. I want to say on the air, so that everyone hears it, this is Doc Manson's idea, and at any point he can tell me to just go sit and have a pumpkin spice oh, cookie. Oh, Bubby, we're so, better together, you know that. I do know that, but at the same time, you know, I believe the the message I got from you with "This is wicked good." I hate you right now, and I don't <laughs> want that to happen. Oh no, I'm always gonna hate. Don't you worry. Okay, good. I'll never stop hating. Um, one group that we might always hate are the Usos. Uh huh. And although, again, they actually turned heel, I will give them a chance now because. I was so sick of their usual shtick. Now, what will bother me is if they come out with the usual stick, but now they're just quote-unquote bad guys. That's what will bother me. But I thought it was interesting that for the last several weeks, in fact, just recently, Mrs. Manson had said to me, man, isn't it strange that the Usos don't come out doing their stamping, slapping, dance thing anymore? And then this week on SmackDown, they totally did. And then immediately turned heel. 
I think the, you know, again, this is the whole, I think, I really think there was a point in time where Sin Cara was going to turn on Kalisto, which is why he wore black a lot. And then that storyline kind of died away when Kalisto got drafted to SmackDown. And so he kind of stopped and now is jobbing to Braun Strowman. But I think there was, you know, they, they were trying to tease the heel turn, tease the heel turn and the double swerve, they come out to the face thing and then turn heel. Um, Usos versus Hype Bros. Who will wrestle Heath Slater and Rhino for the tag team titles? I would like to see the Hype Bros, honestly. I I would not be opposed to that, but I think given the heel yeah. turn... You know, I think he, you're right. Heath Slater and Rhino are... Are getting over in a face capacity. Yes, so the Usos make more sense, especially if they... I mean, I do the same kind of thing and attack the hype bros and who knocked the hype bros out of the tournament the first time was that Heath and Rhino? I think it was. I can't remember. Oh no! Wait, they beat the Headbangers. Slater and Rhino beat the Headbangers. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, what I think happened is I think it was supposed to be it was supposed to be Alpha versus the Usos, and. The Us- Alpha won, but the Usos injured him. And then I think the Hype Bros beat whomever they were supposed to wrestle. The Bud Villains. So the Hype Bros advanced. So this is kind of like one more. So the Hype Bros should have wrestled Alpha, but didn't get the chance to. So now they're wrestling the Usos instead. I- it's obviously just to continue filling time on the pay-per-view. Um, right. But I'm going to say it's the Usos taking on Slater and Rhino. I mean, I- you're... You're probably right. The Usos, I mean, unless they're going to have Jason Jordan come out and cost them the match in that semifinal, but I don't know. Not a bad it's idea. Probably, it's, it's probably the Usos. They probably make it to that last match. Uh, so my question is then, who walks out of Backlash Tag Team Champions? Man, I want it to be Heath Slater and Rhino, but I know it's totally not. I actually am in now. I, when they originally did this, I said, I tweeted it out, that I did not want this tag team tournament to solely be a device to get Heath Slater on the roster. But his work with Rhino has been so good that now I'm like, well, if they're actually going to make a team out of it, fine. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? If this is going to make another team, if it means I get another chance to watch that man eat Easy Cheese... Yeah. Then I will the take shirt it. shirt draped open, making eyes at Renee it was Young. So bad and yet it's so good. So good. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say it. And this is probably, this is probably me being biased in what I want versus what I think. It makes more sense for the Usos to win it and Heath Slater again to get that close and lose. And then what does he do? He, he switches back to Raw for a little bit? Is that what happens to him? I have to believe after this, they offer him a contract regardless. He can't, yeah. you know, th- there's a shelf life to this working, and uh-huh. this is it. And we'll talk so about... don't you think they would keep going with it until it no longer works? This, is not, mon- this is not Monday Night Raw, and we'll talk about shelf life probably in greater detail when we get to the Monday Night Show. Um, but I'll say Slater and Rhino. If you want to say the Usos, go ahead. No, I, I will never pick the Usos. It's it's a personal sort of uh, yeah vendetta, I suppose, is the right word. So all right, anyone but the Usos. How about that? All right, so we're hoping that Slater and Rhino 
win the tag team titles. Fair I enough. guess so. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but I started something this week just for fun. I've had the idea percolating in my mind a bit. It's called hashtag Russell Rankle, where I pick... I've seen that, and I said, what the heck is this? And then I couldn't be bothered to click That's on the hashtag fine. to figure it out. I pick, a number of, I pick a number of people. The first one was Dean, Owens, Rollins, AJ, the two main events of the prospective pay-per-views. Um, and you put them in order based on whatever criteria you want. I intentionally left it vague because I wanted people to just put in whatever. He's eating his pop filter. This is what I deal with when I try to explain something that I'm into. I'm sorry, I, I got talk, bored. I let him talk about the weekly wrestling news. All he wanted, I you s- brought up the weekly wrestling news. The weekly wrestling news. Mm. I think that voice should be the way you do the whole thing. The whole show. Yes. It should sound like one of those, you know... Old-time radio? Yes, the movies, you know, live, you know, breaking news out of Hindenburg. Which is a ship, not a place, so the breaking news... <laughs> Regardless, you get the point. Um, uh-huh. So you put them in order. So last night's, or yesterday's, was the six women of the six-pack challenge. So here is my challenge to you, sir, since I know you won't take the time to do it via Twitter. Yes, you. We totally need to do the producers. Um, Rank them. Of the six, Becky, Alexa, Natalia, Naomi, uh, Nikki, and Carmella, rank them either in terms of your favorites, in terms of who you think is the best, whatever criteria you wish, put them in order from... Top to bottom. All right. Um, the bottom of my list will be Naomi. Yep. Um, followed by Natalia. Yeah. Then. Then Nikki. Then Becky Lynch. Alexa Carmella. So you have Carmella at the top of your list. Yeah. Read me back the list because I might have to shift this around a little bit. Going from bottom to top. Bottom to top. Naomi. Of course Naomi's the bottom. Have you have you seen her? Natalia. Natalia is an excellent wrestler. I just want to point that put that out there. But I have a lot of trouble with her as a performer in other aspects. That's fine. Nikki. Okay. Becky. Alexa. Carmella. Carmella is probably on the near the bottom of this list in terms of wrestling talent. And maybe even in terms of vocal talent. But there's something about Carmella when you put all that together and her character and that theme song that really, really puts her over the top for me. I don't know what it is. Like, you look at her individual, like, performance abilities and she doesn't belong at the top of this list. I know she doesn't. But man, I like Carmella a lot. Okay. 
Why is she moonwalking if she's a heel? That's my biggest question right now. I like that she's not talking. Have you ever seen bad? Isn't that Sasha Banks, Naomi, and Tamina? Wasn't that bad? No. No. It's a song. How could I see a song? The music video. Yes, Michael Jackson, 1980s. Indeed. Well, he's also the person who brought up moonwalking into the mainstream culture, I'd say. So, that's how. He was bad. She's bad. They're moonwalking together. Okay. That ex- that's logic. That, that works at point A to B to C. Okay. What are you talking about? That totally explains it. He was bad. He wrote a song called video. Bad. And he was a bad dude. You see that video? Is that the one where he becomes a monster or is that Thriller? That's Thriller, but he was a bad dude there too. Have you ever seen Weird Al Yankovic's video for even worse? I don't know that I have. I was thinking of Fat because that's well, the yeah, Fat is bad. the actual video. I guess even worse was the name of the album. I love Weird Al. That's all I'm gonna He's say. So good. Uh, and actually, for Michael Jackson, was there a song called Bad or was that just an album? Now I can't remember. No, I'm thinking about the you know red. I'm bad. I'm bad. Yeah. You know yeah. It. Okay, that totally was. Yeah. Okay. All right, I was losing it for a second. Welcome to okay. DDT Karaoke. Michael Indeed. Jackson edition. My six, in case you're curious, because... I'm not. I, I don't care. We could just go on to the next segment. I wrote you gold. I wrote you audio gold. Okay, keep it up. I expect three more jokes before the end of the day. Based on pure, you'll probably find my list to be a joke because I went by pure wrestling talent. So my list from bottom to top is Naomi. We agree on that. Naomi's at the bottom. Carmella is number five. Because have you seen her bottom? Carmella is number five. Nikki is number four. Alexa is number three. Becky is number two. And I have at the top of my list Natalia. But again, I'm, I'm prefacing it by saying I went on pure wrestling. Where was Becky? Second. Oh, okay. Natalia, Becky, I would give a... You put Alexa above Nikki? I go back and forth on that. I am so... I think I am biased based on all of her... You know, remember, she was... Her her title reign was so long and successful that they needed a revolution to fix it. Yeah. That was a good joke. Thank you. Um, That may be a little too subtle, but, you know. You know, I could probably flip-flop those and not... And not cry. I think there's more potential in Alexa. I think when it's all said and done, Alexa yeah. will be a better yeah. wrestler than Nikki was. She might not be right now. But um, I mean, admittedly, you you said you enjoyed um, parts of Nikki's last run, didn't you? you her matches with Charlotte and... were good. Her matches yeah. with Charlotte were very good, and I think she did. You know, uh, again, it's you are only as good as your competition. I, in many cases, it takes a special talent to be able to make a really bad wrestler have a good match. I don't know if Nikki's that kind of talent, but when you put her in there with a good wrestler, she can be impressive. Yeah. Have a good um, match. So now that we have ranked them, today's is uh, Nakamura, Bobby Roode, Austin Aries, and Samoa Joe, in case you're curious. Um, who do you think wins the women's title? Um, probably Bobby Roode. That would be glorious. Sure would. <laughs> that would be the blue belt would bring out his eyes, which I'm guessing are blue. Oh, so beautiful, beautiful. Gee, um, who takes the women's title? Well, it seems to me. I mean, they could be setting up a main feud, but it really seems to me like Carmella 
and Nikki are setting up a secondary feud in the SmackDown Women's Division. So I think both of them are out of the I agree with you 100%. From there, I don't really think Naomi or Alexa Bliss have much of an actual chance at this. Again, agree. So we're really talking about Becky Lynch or that other person. No, really, I forgot. Who's the other person? Natalia. Natalia, the cat lady. Right. Um, so while I do think that Natalia has a reasonable shot because there's history there, I guess. I, I think history, though, has sort of borne out that Natalia's place probably is not. I mean, I could see her place at the top of division at some point, but given that this to me is a little more historic you're starting a new lineage for this title uh i think it has to go to becky lynch the number one women's draft pick uh you know for smackdown Mm -hmm. so i think that's probably the case i agreed with everything you said until the last 30 seconds because i believe because you are establishing a lineage and because this is a historic occasion you go with the person with the pedigree and so i think natalia is your first women's champion and she probably holds it less than 60 days. She once had a farting gimmick where she was backstage and she would be talking to people and would awkwardly fart in their presence. I know. They did that for months on television. I know. Months. And this hopefully Let's would... establish that lineage. Nice and historic. I'm hoping that would erase with some pride. of pride. I'm hoping that would erase some of the stench of that gimmick. Yeah, the Fart Foundation. That's what I call it. Well, I'm hoping it would establish a new foundation, which was what they called Owen Hart and Jim Neidhart when they teamed up. Which brings us to our main event. Dean Ambrose versus AJ Styles. Before your prediction, sir, I would like to know your opinions on Dean Ambrose's reign as champion as a whole. If you have... Great. Okay. Would you like to expand on that, or is one word sufficient? I think it's fairly descriptive, but I'm always glad to expunge. Um, Yeah, it was, I don't know, it's been really good for him as a character. It's getting him over there as a serious sort of performer, even though he's not being serious. He handed AJ Styles a bowling trophy. A participation trophy, no less. Regardless, I can't watch that. But that's actually, that's great television. I enjoyed it. Just a month ago, AJ Styles was on that show and he cut a promo about how he hated participation trophies. The fact that Dean Ambrose actually went and pulled that out again, like he made a callback to something that happened more than three seconds ago on a wrestling show, was freaking amazing. Are you kidding me? They're establishing an actual, like, like a callback? I give you that. In I, wrestling? I give you that, but at the same time... You know, I I can I can tell you he has had a good reign, but the fact that he continues to go back to these, I love Russell Silly. I do think it's a bit much. I think they should have turned him more serious, yeah. um, like he was against Ziggler. I don't know why they sort of. You've got a guy who took the other guy's headband and put it on his head, and I didn't. I do not need Dean Ambrose to be fighting for the honor of John Cena. That is the last thing I want. Nah. But you're matching silly with silly, and as we saw on Raw, and we'll get to it, silly and silly doesn't always work. I loved the. I thought the bowling participation trophy was funny. I liked the interaction between the two of them, but again. 
while this is not a new title, you are the initial champion of this brand, and you are wearing giant cowboy hats, and you're you're two steps above talking to your plant again. I'd like... I don't think he's... I think he's more than two steps above that. Okay. I think they're trying to show, you know, some sort of personality divide here. I mean, they've stopped sort of referring to him as the lunatic friend. They're still showing that 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 unhinged sort of behavior, that unpredictability. I get it. I always enjoy a little wrestling. You're right. I do think the top guy probably should have a little more mm-hmm. seriousness to him. But at the same time. I was raving for years about him popping out of cars and out of presents and bringing down a hot dog vendor's cab and hitting people with ketchup and mustard. This is just more of that. This is the Dean Ambrose that I like. But I And again, this is probably going to sound ridiculous. He was more serious coming out of the trunk of that car. Yeah, you're right. He absolutely... I feel like they're going for that exact same character, just they're not quite hitting. Now, now if AJ wins... And Dean goes after him rather than it moving on immediately. If all of a sudden we see that kind of you took my, you know, essentially he becomes Gollum. You stole my precious. And now I'm in again. Now all of a sudden I'm bought back in and we're heading to Hell in a Cell, which I have to believe is going to be the SmackDown pay-per-view. Okay. If we're going to try to see, you know, if you're going to tell me a story where AJ Styles wrestles in a cell. I'm into that. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And Dean Ambrose... And you never watched Lockdown. Those were all cage matches. They had a... You know, I've seen him in cages, but... Then you've never seen Lethal Lockdown. That I might never have seen. I found some old TNA pay-per-views that I have DVDs of in a drawer. I might break them out and live tweet them. Because they're literally, I think, from like 2004, 2005. I would be into watching those. I... We will find a time, and I will bring them over. We will break out a microphone. Okay. Sounds good to me. All right. So um, I I think AJ wins, and I think it might be the best thing for Dean Ambrose if he does win. As long as, it, yeah. as, long as it's not Dean Ambrose getting into a feud with Baron Corbin next, opening the show. You know, I think Dean Ambrose could lose, stay in the main event picture, and it isn't the end of the world. So I mean, I actually think that he has been the best champion out of all three members of the Shield. I didn't like Seth Rollins' reign as champion. A lot of those shows were boring, and if you go back and listen to our shows, I felt as though they tried to have him carry a show that he was not capable of carrying. I liked the where he was defending against. You know, I liked the whole statue bit. And I liked parts of the stuff with J&J security, but as a whole, you're right. Mm. As a whole, you're right. And his Roman reign, Reigns, I've just never been invested in at all. His reign was from WrestleMania to Survivor Series, and I feel a terrible saying this, but that was too long. Like, an sure eight-month title reign is too long. We had people rest, holding these belts for years back in the day, and eight months was too long. Yeah. So, uh, who do you got? I got AJ. Who do you got? AJ. Okay. I you know I I think if anything, do we only differ on the women's match? Uh no, we differ on Bray versus Orton too. What did I say? You said Orton. I said Bray. Oh okay. And all right. I said Natty. You said Becky. 
That sounds like a thing I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, this might only be a more of a thank you to, you know, AJ Styles has had a great year for them. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Part of me wants to say that, oh, no, this is still the Vince McMahon show and the guy who has won 59 championships and 17 promotions is a little guy, so he's never actually going to win one here. So I could totally see Dean Ambrose retaining this title because they're just never going to give a title to AJ Styles. Like, I totally could see I, I understand that, that, except from a pure physical standpoint. It's a good match. Is Ambrose that much taller? They're both about the same build-wise. You know, they look very similar when they stand. But he's the little guy who made himself. He came to the Royal Rumble, and people knew who he was. Yes. Um, like, that's they, a slight that against... That has to end. When you've got... Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe, Austin Aries, all in. And then you've got the cruiserweights, which I'd like to transition to next very quickly. Um, You know, you have to get over that idea. Like, in the world of wrestling today, wrestlers can make themselves without Vince McMahon's help. Back when the internet wasn't around, back when there weren't 157 channels, that couldn't happen. But now it can, and you've got to deal with it. Um, So... I'm not opposed to Dean retaining. It just depends on what they do with it from there. So yeah. I'd like to believe that mentality is gone as well. So all right, um, I'm hoping the cruiserweights. Well, first of all, before we even get into that, uh, what did you watch last night, sir? I watched Lucha Underground. How was it? How was season, season three? three? How was the season three opener? It was good. I enjoyed it. It was good. What's the big giant key for? Is that just the key to the temple? I saw that tweet. No, so Dario was getting out of jail at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were giving him back his possessions. And so, you know, the the bail not the bailiff, whoever, the police officer. The booking agent, person, I believe, is what they're yeah, called. Yeah, whoever that is there. He was like, here's your money clip. And one gold watch. And the last one was, and one giant key. <laughs> um, and that's the key that he uses to inf- exert influence over his brother Matanza. Uh, and why was the villain from Inspector Gadget part of the show? Yeah, so Dr. Claw is totally the behind-the-scenes mega villain of Lucha Underground. We don't really know who he is yet, but it can be confirmed that Inspector Gadget's uh, Dr. Claw is, in fact, pulling the strings of Dario Cueto. So, uh, I don't know, he he is the emperor of the Lucha Underground uh, universe. Uh, I don't know what that's about yet, but I love it, and I can't wait to see where it now, goes. Now, what's interesting about this is, you know, throughout season one, they alluded to Dario's brother in a cage. Okay. And what I thought was really interesting is I assumed that was going to have to be a huge name. Not physically, but just literally in terms of they were going to have to take a, a very well-known guy, change the character to justify that. And then they didn't. They took Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb and turned him into Matanza Cueto. Do you think this guy is going to be that same thing where it's just going to be, they'll build the character so that the character works or, you know, I doubt it's going to be James Vandenberg, but is it going to, or is it going to have to be somebody special 
to work. Um, I almost think that whoever this person is isn't going to be a wrestler. I almost think they're going to be the next authority figure or something. I mean, I don't even you know. You know who, it would, who it, would, it would be fantastic if it was, and it'll never be this? Paul Heyman. Oh, that would be so good. That would be so good. What was the name of... Uh... I'm thinking about Mortal Kombat right now. Because like, you know how you think throughout like the first video game, like the big bad guy is Shang Tsung? Yes. But then in like the sequel, it turns out that he was just working for was like Shao Kahn or something. Shao Kahn, yeah, like that's almost what I'm envisioning. So maybe actually, actually that that makes a logical progression here. If maybe this person, whoever this is, turns out to be the next authority figure, but then is also a badass wrestler, like that could actually be sort of interesting as well. So maybe that's the well. Case. Season one, I was really into the Big Rick character because he was this leader of men. And you knew he could do all the fighting for himself. He he was like the kingpin. He chose not to get oh, okay. his hands dirty, but then when he did, he was awesome. Okay. So it was like, oh, I haven't seen that, but that sounds awesome. Again, another thing you slash we should figure out some way of watching is, you know, I would watch all of Lucha Underground season one, season two, if it was free and easily done. So I thought they were getting on Netflix, and I'm kind of bummed that they're not. Yep, didn't work out. All right. Maybe in the future. Um, but anything else of note? I mean, it was just a good show all around. Um, you know, Matt Stryker is doing phenomenal work on commentary in Lucha Underground. Uh, he explains to you exactly who these people are in every instance, why you should care, brief summary, you know, and there's just the storyline progression. They're constantly reminding you of people's names, their backgrounds, their history. Like, it's just, it's just so watchable. You could pick it up at any time. You don't have to know the good. history. They do such a good job of conveying that stuff. It, it's just, amazing. Just and, for, uh, for, those, for yeah. those who are not aware, um, the current Lucha Underground champion is... Matanza oh, okay. So he is the champion. Um, the current the trios champions are Aerostar... Phoenix and yeah. Drago, I want to say. I think that's correct. They wanted an Ultima Lucha. And they do think, not so, yeah. have a female champion because the women wrestle in the divisions. Well, there is a female champion oh. right now. Uh, Sexy Star is the current holder of the Gift of the Gods championship. Okay, but that is not a female-specific title. She just happens to hold it. No. Well, they don't have female-specific Divi- that's, that's where divisions. The point do so. you think there will come a time where a female wins the Lucha Underground Championship. Didn't one already? I don't know. I watched season one. Uh, it didn't I ha- happen. Ha- Prince okay. Puma I mean, was I the haven't... champion until Mil Muertes beat him right at the end. Prince Puma was the champion, I think, I think, throughout the entirety of season one. Yeah, okay. Um, Sexy Star won the Lucha Underground Championship. Oh, Okay. I don't know when. Good for her. I don't. I didn't see right. it, but I believe she did. Maybe it was one of those matches. We know that's like um, the Brian Kendrick is technically a former heavyweight champion because there was some championship scramble match and he won it for like twelve seconds, but it counts. That's certainly possible. Speaking of the Brian Kendrick, ha! Huh, my transitions are on point today. Um, I wanted to ask you about the cruiserweight division. the The rumor circulating is that it will start with a division of 10, and that's it. Their names are the Brian Kendrick, Rich Swan, 
Noam Dar, Cedric Alexander, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Grand Metallic, TJ Perkins, Jack Gallagher, and Akira Tozawa. Is 10 enough? Is Kota Ibushi on that list? No. The belief, what I saw circulating online, and this was literally just through Twitter conversation, um, was that Ibushi wants to go finish up in Japan before returning to possibly NXT for a while, probably a language thing, before heading to WWE. What's Zack Sabre Jr. doing? That's a great question. I don't know. I'd love to see him on SmackDown. He just shows up as a guy. Like, he doesn't need to be a cruiserweight. So, he's just a guy. But Didn't you, at one point, imagine that it was going to come down to Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi? That is my predicted final. I can't say... And yet, neither of those guys are currently lined up to be in the cruiserweight. They were both in the quarterfinals. We haven't watched the last episode, so I can't yeah. say whether they'll make... I know Ibushi's in the semifinals. Um, but Grand Metallic is in the semifinals too, so you know, I would. Part of me thinks that they would go with two guys from the list, in which case yeah. it would be Grand Metallic versus T.J. Perkins. But to me, that's an underwhelming final. So I don't yeah. know how they're going to handle that. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they had all this build up just for a underwhelming um, sort of conclusion. That's sort of how the WWE does things. Da, 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 da. No, I'm just kidding, folks. I won't be so negative. Uh, you know, maybe they actually will put it together, and maybe they're just holding back the names of these other guys to keep us in suspense, right? Keep that intrigue up. They didn't announce the name, but maybe one of them wins and does join the roster because they're the champion, you know? That's certainly possible, right? I, of course, they haven't even said that this is for the championship. It's yet, not. It's they? for the trophy. Yeah, so... so I assume, I assume they will crown a champ, you know... I don't know whether or not WWE has announced that they're going to do a trophy. I know, or a title rather. I know that's the hope, but they might start a division and not crown a champion for a couple of months. I mean, yeah, that that's the case. There will eventually be a champion, but maybe not right away. I guess that's true. Um, so hmm. that's interesting. I, and it is interesting to see that some of those guys in the semifinals there are. Are on that I, list, so that does sort of make you think that they might be making. I have to believe that by this time next year, when we're sitting down to record episode almost a hundred, maybe by that point, um, Saber and Ibushi will be on the WWE roster. They're not. It's not going to happen right away, but I have to believe it'll happen in the long term. Booking. Yeah, I mean, Kota Ibushi is kind of one of those stars that you, when you think about him, you think. Okay, maybe his potential is beyond a right, well, division. Send him to NXT. I, I think that so he has. I think that, that might be the case. Did you watch NXT from this week? No, I was watching the opening Lucha. match, which is excellent, and I highly recommend it. Was TM sixty one versus Tony Nice, aka Damian Sandow, and um, Davari's brother, both of whom wrestled in the Cruiserweight Classic, and it was a really good match. So I'm hoping right. we see some of these guys. Maybe they don't, you know, light the world on fire. I could see that, right? I mean, so you do your thing on Raw with these people. They have a Cruiserweight Champion crown. And then you've got Kota Ibushi doing his own thing, coming over to NXT. Mm -hmm. And eventually, someday, you're down the road, you have that Cruiserweight Champion on Raw face off against Kota Ibushi, mm -hmm. the guy who won the whole tournament. The best Cruiserweight in the world now has come to the main roster and yeah. 
Let's see what this cruiserweight champ. I mean, that's a built-in storyline that you could catch in a year later. I or also more. like the storyline. I think it was Liam Strikers, but I can't say for sure. Um, Daniel Bryan brings Zack Saber Jr. to SmackDown to take the Intercontinental Title off the Miz because Daniel mm. Bryan can't wrestle himself, so he brings the greatest technical wrestler in the world over to do it for him. There's a built-in storyline right there. Hey, that's a good one too. Although, wouldn't he choose Brian Kendrick since they're so huggy? You would think so, but Kendrick plays a heel, Miz is a heel. I know, I know. But then, there you go, Kendrick could become Miz's tag team partner and turns on Daniel Bryan, and then there's even more intrigue. So good! Speaking of things that were not so good, I, I don't want to end on a sour note, but we have yet to talk about Raw. We could just not talk about it. I thought the beginning promo was good. Foley yeah. was bought in. All that in- Foley doing some great work on that stick. Foley looked like a serial killer at first. Like he had the crazy eyes and the big beard, and I was like, oh my god, it's the Unabomber. Um That beard was magnificently trimmed. He looked almost like like somebody you know like when you go see like a, a well manicured like like topiary garden, like like with like hedges that have just been perfectly manicured not even five minutes ago into the perfect sort of shape like this has this well-defined edge and bushiness that just looks perfect he looked like he had just come straight straight out of uh, out of the workshop I, you know like the gardeners had just finished on old mick foley you know i what defy I mean? you neighborhood find me another wrestling podcast where the word topiary is used i doubt you can do it <laughs> <laughs> that, among other things, is what sets this podcast apart from all others. Well, I can tell you right now, in the weekly Wrestling News Episode 2, you should also be on the lookout for the word menagerie. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think uh-huh. so. I, yep. Uh, what is it? One of the fundamental rules of improv? I always speak at the top of your intelligence. Mine just doesn't happen to be that high. So, you know, every so often. (laughs) Um, But yes, I thought the, you know, I, Owens did great as champion. I liked what Rollins was doing. Um, But, you know, I'm really all for not getting into it too much because it's just going to start a spiral of negativity here. Where do you see Reigns going? Because he's wrestling Rollins or is it Rollins? He's wrestling know. someone next week, and if he wins, he's in the... I think he's wrestling Owens. Oh, and if he beats Owens, he's in the Cruiserweight Classic. Or not the Cruiserweight Classic. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Where are you? Where I are am... you tonight, DC Massey? So what happens the first week of school, inevitably it's happened 10 years out of 10, is I get a head cold like the second I see a child. They're, all of their germs <laughs> just jump up my nose. Um, so I've been holding it together. But I'm probably about 54 minutes overdue for medication. So th- there's, a, there's a velvet fog that is just seeping across my eyes. Um, so yes, Roman Reigns will be entered into the universal title match. Um, but I don't see that happening. I think either Jericho or Rusev gets in his way. My sm- the smart money is on Rusev coming back from his honeymoon, but I, I don't know. Do you That'd think, be nice. I don't want to see him in that I match. I don't either, and I think the fans will... Res- the fans will... The problem with Roman Reigns is always going to be the second you start to push him again, 
the fans are going to go right back to hating him. As long as he stays yes. in the... They did this to themselves. Yep. They I'm did not, this to... I'm not I blaming mean, other people. I'm saying this is just the problem that they're going to run into now is... Yes, 100%. Um, is there anything else from Raw you'd like to talk about? I would like to talk about how... What a terrible, terrible choice it was to have Sasha Banks pull that swerve promo. And that's all I have to say about it. I just think it was a bad choice. Um, I think starting around, starting at the end of Rollins and Jericho, there were about close to 90 minutes of bad choices. I think 100% agree. Um, The old day was... The, the old day thing was bad. I, you had said, and let's just talk about it if we're going to talk about it. You had said months ago that you were getting tired of New Day. I did not agree with you until they began to feud with Gallows and Anderson. The second they started to feud with Gallows and Anderson, I was done. I don't understand what they're doing with Gallows and Anderson at all. They're clowns. They, they brought clowns. in these guys who were supposed to be like this Japanese league destroyers and they're trying to match them up personality wise with that comedy with the new day. I don't understand. They should just come in as destroyers. Oh, this isn't funny. They sh- new day. They, and they destroy should talk there. There's no need for them to talk. New day comes out and does all the talking. Gallows Anderson comes out and tries to kill them. Yes. I don't, I don't, I, I don't get it. They're, they're I, think, I think what happened is so badly. there was the style Cena feud and, you know, Carl Anderson said something about his hot Asian wife and all of a sudden WWE went, oh, they can be funny. Okay, this is good. We can work with this. You know, I don't know that WWE knows how to do destroyers. They're doing it with Braun Strowman now, I guess, but and Nia Jax, right? Yeah, but I that's the only way they know how to do it. So, you're right. You know, moving I, on. There's not much else to I, say. I, from I don't that. know what was going on with Enzo and Cass. Nope, they had a little Maz invisible baby in the middle of that ring. Was that this week? Was that, that the week was before? this week? I mean, so as you said, as you said, ninety minutes of bad choices, and then and, and then they had the worst part about they had is, Owens and Zayn, which is always a good match. Yeah, but 90 minutes of bad choices, but the worst choice of all was the thing that they didn't even show us. Which was? Where was Triple H? Where was Triple H? I think that was by design, and I, I don't I don't necessarily see that as bad of a choice as you do. I think the next time we see him is at Clash of the Champions, and I think he screws over Rollins again. I Probably. think he's going to be that guy who... But the thing is... We want to know why he's doing this. And you're right. They can probably stretch us out to Clash of Champions before they give us an explanation. And they can't go any farther than that. If Triple H doesn't show up to explain himself by the Monday after Clash of the Champions, the opportunity is wasted. Right. Like, I mean, I get it. And if he does start focusing on Rollins, I mean, I guess it becomes a little more obvious what it's all about. Mm -hmm. But I still want to know what his motivations were. I still think there's a good deal of interest around that. 
that they are not properly the exploited. hope would be for me him coming out and saying reigns i screwed you over we're done you beat me at wrestlemania i cost you the title then i'm done with you my focus is on seth rollins because whatever they're going to go with with the storyline there that's the feud i do not need to watch roman reigns fight triple h again I am interested in watching Seth Rollins fight Triple H. Battle of the Pedigrees. I hope that that feud ends Seth Rollins' use of the pedigree. Because it is such a poor choice for him. Anyways. Come on, dueling pedigrees, I'd love to see. Ah, that's what you were doing. Oh, it's so good. All right. If we want to go even more negative, we could talk about the fact that CM Punk is going to fight on Saturday. Okay. I don't care. That's not negativity. I don't care. I'm not going to watch it. I don't care. I don't care. He is dead to me. All right. I don't care about CM Punk at all. Not one iota. Do we have any emails? I don't know if we do, if I'm being honest. We, we do. do. We appear to only have one fan uh, left. So, uh, <laughs> Pav, thank you for the email, and please keep sending them, because we have no one else. I, I'm going to scold people. Remember when Nate would send us emails, like, every week, and then Chip and Seahawk? Where are these people? What happened? Uh, currently on DDT. Ain't nobody writing to DDT anymore. Except for the POV. And the POV writes, Hey, DC Pope of Positivity. Doc, nope of negativity. Do you feel the Undertaker's efforts to put over people in the 2000s is the reason, why it aside, he hasn't worked with up-and-coming performers whenever he makes appearances? His SmackDown run was interesting in that he worked with Luther Reigns, Heidenreich, Mr. Kennedy, and even losing clean to Vladimir Kozlov. As we know, none of these guys broke the glass ceiling. Kennedy aside, the ceiling was nowhere near. After losing clean to Kozlov in 09, we saw a change. Nexus buried Undertaker alive, but the Mania feud was dropped, and he was attacked by the Shield as well. Part of me wants to think, it's because of 2010, was when Undertaker stopped performing full-time. And with the brand split ending due to a thin roster, WWE had to rely on marquee matchups with part-timers, such as Triple H versus Taker and Lesnar versus Taker. I feel the two years he faced Triple H could have been used to elevate someone else, but as we know, the roster was so thin, there wasn't the new blood available like there is now. Perhaps, if all the effort to put over the likes of Heidenreich, Kozlov, etc. had worked, Bray Wyatt's career trajectory could be very different off the back of a big win over The Undertaker. Did these failed pushes take its toll? Or was the over-reliance on marquee matches due to a thin roster the reason Taker hasn't worked with younger guys? I don't buy the argument older guys can help carry him as he worked with a stiff Lesnar who even he himself has worked with younger guys. 
What change in mindset do you think from Mark Calloway, Vince, or even the company direction initiated this? In my opinion, Bray Wyatt has indirectly been impacted by these examples. The Pav. Well, thank you, Pav, for Pav out for being perhaps our only fan. Um, I am disappointed and discouraged and even a little dismayed at the fact that so many of our other tried and true for fans and dare I say friends have abandoned us. Besties. I, we can't call them besties anymore. They're just the they're the resties. They the only bestie we have is Pav and of course each other. Um. Having said all that, wow, that's a lot to think about with that email, especially since I missed all of what he was talking about in terms of wrestling. I didn't watch his feud with Hadenreich. I didn't oh, know right. he lost to Kozlov. Um, you know, I know he was potentially going to feud with Mordecai, and that didn't happen. So I'm coming at this from a place of complete ignorance. Um, it sounds, from what he was talking as you usually do. Not wrong. It sounds like he was trying to... They were trying to find the next Undertaker. Or they were going back... Undertaker, if you go back to the 90s, was wrestling Yokozuna, Giant Gonzalez, uh, Ludwig Borga, probably King Kong Bundy. He wrestled other monsters. He wrestled people who had the size and stature to perhaps look like they could beat him down. And then he would emerge victorious. I think, I mean, I think, I think the underlying theme here, Pav, you know, write in, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But I think what he's really saying here is they spent a long time in the late 2000s, 09, 10, etc., trying to use The Undertaker in a way that he could build up someone, someone that they hoped was going to take that ball and run with it and be a next big star. And that didn't work out time after time after time again. And because of that, because that never worked out, at some point they became gun-shy about using The Undertaker that way. And that's the reason why Pav, I think, is positing that they haven't used The Undertaker to put over Bray Wyatt and really pass the torch. Like, everybody probably feels like would maybe be appropriate given the supernatural leanings of this gimmick, right? Um, he seems like a natural sort of spiritual successor to the Undertaker's uh, gimmick in some ways. You yes, know? very um, much so. So, you know, I think that's basically what he's saying. And you know, I don't think he's wrong. I think they did try for a long time. They got awful close with Mister Kennedy. Missed but, it. You know, things happened. Well, and so I would salient. Points I would. All I would posit. I would wonder what was everyone else doing. Did Triple H, did Shawn Michaels at some point have a period of time where they were doing the same kind of thing? You know, he's talking about it, you know, and maybe I'm assuming things for him, but it's not like The Undertaker's the only talent in the world to ever have worked with young guys in the hope of getting some of them over. That is what every wrestler should do in their twilight years of wrestling. That's what John Cena's doing now, even though he's. I doubt anywhere near his twilight years of wrestling. Well, I mean, I will say he says here, you know, I feel the two years Taker faced Triple H could have used to elevate someone else. But in all fairness, at that point, they were deep into the streak. And so they were sort of, I think, purposefully spinning their wheels with The Undertaker to build the number of the streak. That's why he, you know, he beat and he faced and beat 
uh, Shawn Michaels twice in a row, Triple H twice in a row, three times all together. Uh, you know, I mean, they did that to really build up that streak. So finally, when someone was going to beat the streak and pass that torch, it would be all that more mm-hmm. meaningful. And then they gave to Lesnar. They passed. Well, you know, and- I think that would. I think that was the thought process, personally, anyways, regardless of how it turned out. some sort of palace intrigue that happened inside WWE on that fateful day when the streak was broken, they passed it from one anomaly, being The Undertaker, to another anomaly, being Brock Lesnar. There's, I, I can see some of the reasoning for that, and if Lesnar wrestles until WrestleMania 34-35... It's okay, you know. It really all depends. I don't know that we can fully evaluate the ending of the streak, which is getting completely off the topic of Pav's email, I, I'm, I understand, until we see who Lesnar then loses to. If Undertaker right. loses to Lesnar, who then loses to Owens... No, he's going to lose to John Cena. Then That's the way it's going. Then we can have a conversation about that whole thing. Um... You know, I they probably did get a little gun shy, and you know, WWE, the story of the last five years, a lot of it has been getting gun shy, and I think for reasons we've we've had multiple conversations, you and I, about the whole CM Punk Daniel Bryan thing. They were ready and willing to give the company to these two guys, and then for various reasons, it didn't happen, and they were kind of screwed. So I can understand them. I think I think CM Punk came came too soon. I don't think they actually were ready to give Punk the company, and I think that was their mistake. Okay, that's probably fair. But regardless, um, so yeah, so you know, it's interesting to think about. Um, you know, I I would hate to live in a world where Heidenreich is the one who broke Undertaker's streak. Oh, it'd be so good. He had He'd great be still poetry. writing poetry today. Mm, I miss Heidenreich. But not nearly as much as I miss Gene Snitsky. Oh, that big, weird, goofy Baby punter. That's the word. <laughs> what is your piece of positive? I see a lot of uh, in Gene Braun Strowman. in Braun yes. Strowman. Yeah, a whole lot. And I like that, that. That makes me like Braun Strowman more than I should. He looks at wrestlers in a way that is just really uncomfortable. You know, it's probably because he wants to eat them, but that's not what I see when I look at that face. What What do you see, DC? I'm wondering what your piece of positivity is for the week, Doc Manson. Lucha Underground is back! How, how oh, long is it so lasting? Good. How many, you know, have they said how long this season's going to be? Um, Season two two was like only 29 episodes. I think this one is scheduled for like nice. 39, That'll be good. so longer be than nice. season two. Yeah. Nice for you. Um, my piece of positivity, I opened the show with it. My man, my guy, Bo Dallas, wrestled a dominant match and won. I don't care who it was against. He won on Raw, and I was over the moon. So let me get this straight. Last week, your moment of positivity was Doc Talk. But this week, the weekly wrestling news doesn't even rate. It falls below Bo Dallas. Yeah. Weekly wrestling news is number two, and it was excellent. This is why I hate you. When have you ever said, when have you ever said 
that your piece of positivity was the Pontificast or my fantasy booking show. I would like to point out that the Pontific, the, the Pontificast episode two and three both had 132 listens on the statistics on our, our podcast feed. Doc Talk episode one. 161. It was good. Where's that? When are you going to break down? Are you planning on recording? Weekly Wrestling News. This is actually a little disappointing to me, but 140. So it's eking out a victory over the last two episodes of the Pontific Cast, but only barely. So, folks, get out there and share the Weekly Wrestling News. I agree. News. When are we getting Doc Talk where you break down using your sweet science? Raw and SmackDown this week. We have to learn about negative points. We Not have to happening. learn about negative points. Sorry, I've got a new love, and it is the Are you telling wrestling. You? I have thought about Doc Talk, you know, because, like, at the beginning of this show, I spent 15 minutes on Pumpkin Spice. I wasn't sure maybe if I should start doing that on my own before I uh, alienate if, my co-host. If you had done that without me, you would have never dipped the Pumpkin Spice cookie into the cappuccino. Never! That's what I'm saying. I need better you. Together. Better together. Then fine. Let's never Absolutely. do solo podcasts again. Well, that kind of thing. <laughs> Anything left that you would like to say before we head out into that good night? Keep your ears for the weekly wrestling news. I will say that. I need to come up and keep your ears, um, you know, open so that we can fill them. Oh, privately. yes. We're coming down to On it. Saturday. Two more weeks. Are you, are, would you ever consider taking the weekly wrestling news? To the NAI network, or is this our baby? I mean, I would consider it, but I mean, I don't. It might have to. I don't know if they'd want it. I asked. Uh, I asked uh, Jason Maltoff to give it a listen when he had time. I'll have to see. He's been too busy interviewing stars like Cody Rhodes and Rob Van Dam. So, when he has time for us, little heavenly bodies like Rob Van Dam. I'd like to point out he did listen because he referenced. Our, our conversation about whether or not Brock Lesnar can lift a cow. Yep. So I was happy about that. That's wonderful. So hopefully he checks it out. I think the weekly wrestling news is what's going to propel you and I to stardom. More you than me. I will hang on your coattails <laughs> and ride the waves to, to glory. Hey, you keep writing the scripts for me and you can uh, ride it all right. you like. There we go. That sounded I, kind of sexual. Oh, God. We need to get out of here. We're about the, the, an hour and 30 minute mark, and that's when the wheels fall off the wagon, folks. My name is DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. Please email us, ddtwrestling at gmail.com. Please write us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends about the weekly wrestling news and all of the amazing fun you have with us on DDT Wrestling. Doc Manson, last chance. Anything. I love you. <laughs> All right. What a what a what a way to go. What a way Shall to we? go. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. You can't call me that no oh, negativity anymore. Nope. ProWrestlingTees.com slash new agent. Okay, we're done now for real. News. Bye. Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I'm DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. Let's see you around the neighborhood, shall we? We shall. <laughs> <laughs>